0: What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace
1: is for everyone. Today we begin our Lenten series that includes the six Sundays leading up to Easter on the Gospel of Luke. It comes from Adam Hamilton and we are exploring the stories of the outsiders, the outcasts, and the outlaws throughout this Gospel might be surprising to some that these sorts of people are so important to Jesus and play a prominent role in all that Jesus says and does. But as Jesus himself says in this gospel, those who are well have no need of a doctor. Jesus came to earth for those who need him, and for Christians, we know we need him too. As good as we might be doing in life, we don't have it all together, and we need Jesus just as much as some of the outlaws in the gospel of Luke. So we begin the story where, Je- uh, where Luke does with some women. Uh, Roger is going to read it for us. Luke was probably a doctor and likely traveled with the Apostle Paul, but never met Jesus himself. So this story is the result of Luke doing lots of research, sifting through the many stories of Jesus to find out what really happened. Perhaps the most startling part of the story is that Jesus wasn't born to rich or p- powerful people. He was born to a poor couple. His stepfather, Joseph, who raised him, died when he was still young. Already, themes of outsiders and outcasts are creeping in, but the story of Jesus' birth is startling most of all because of who is at the center, who it empowers. It's women who were not considered important in ancient times. They weren't even believed as eyewitnesses in court yet they are the focus of the beginning of this gospel let's hear the scripture for ourselves from the gospel of luke chapter 1 verses 39 through 56 hear now the word of the lord
0: and with in the hill country where she entered the house of zechariah and greeted elizabeth when elizabeth heard mary's greeting The child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, The child in my womb leapt for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servants. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her for about three months and then returned to her home.
1: And from Psalm 82, three, give justice to the weak and the orphan Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, make us an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. Change hearts and lives as we consider the story of Mary, Elizabeth, and all those who put at the center of the story of your redeeming love. Bless us now, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. As a young person, I never quite felt comfortable in my own skin. There was one day as a freshman in high school where I wasn't feeling well during a test. Most kids would use that as the perfect excuse to get out of taking the test, but I was a dutiful child. I wasn't going to let some pesky lightheadedness get in the way, so I soldiered on it wasn't more than a few minutes though that I was picking myself up off of the floor. Somehow some way I had passed out, hit my head on the edge of the table and was completely unaware of what had happened. When I picked myself up, I was getting up out of a pool of my own blood. The school nurse had arrived, and I told her I wanted to go home, and she said I couldn't. She said because I hit my head, I was required to leave the school by ambulance. Uh, When the paramedics arrived, they said I wasn't even allowed to walk. Uh, I was required to lay on the stretcher and get carted out of the school by them. It all felt weird and embarrassing as a high schooler. Uh, I do remember when the paramedics asked me what year it was, and I told them the wrong year. Uh, But they had figured out that I was just kidding around at that point. I I felt fine, so I wasn't taking things very seriously. Uh, The only issue was the concussion I had, which would go away with some rest. Uh, They threatened to simply stop the ambulance and just leave me on the side of the road, but they didn't. They took me to the hospital, Uh, but the part of this whole incident that stands out the most to me came from a teammate of mine a few days later. I was playing soccer on the JV team, and after healing up, we were in the locker room after practice. A player from the varsity team came over to me, and he started making fun of me, telling my teammates that I had fallen asleep and had had to be taken to a hospital, and what an idiot I was. One of my teammates, though, knew the real story, and he said, hey, that's not what happened. He didn't fall asleep. And just that one sentence was enough to stop the bullying from that senior. Everyone turned to me, and I said, the doctors don't know what happened, but I didn't fall asleep, and that was that. The senior I had never talked to before looked annoyed, but he left without another word. One person from my team had turned the incident on its head, and that meant a lot to me as a young person who struggled to feel like I fit in. When you're young or little, someone older or bigger than you can feel like a real threat— It usually gets easier as we get older and we learn a little more about how the world works and what we can and can't do around people. One of the things I've learned about bullies or people who are aggressive toward others is, is that they often do it to get what they want and to feel dominant. But as we grow up, it becomes more and more obvious how that way of handling things is dysfunctional. When we fight other people to get what we want, we are breaking those relationships with them. That doesn't make people's lives better. It makes it worse. There's a silly story about a kid at school who has to give a bully his lunch money every day. Finally, he decides to do something about it, and he signs up for free karate lessons. Uh, After several classes, he's starting to feel pretty good. He thinks with a little more work, maybe he can take on that bully. But then the karate instructor tells him if he wants to keep taking lessons, he has to start paying the instructor. Uh, So the kid decides to just go back to the bully and pay him. It costs less and it's just easier, right? But that doesn't sound like the life that God calls us to, does it? At times we all have to deal with bullies and abusers in our lives. What are we supposed to do? We won't always have a teammate to stick up for us or an instructor to teach us for free. How do we handle these difficult people and difficult moments? In the Gospel of Luke, we hear the story of Mary who was told by an angel that she was pregnant with a child she would name Jesus. Even though she was just an unmarried virgin teen, she was going to have a baby. And the proof of this was that her older relative, Elizabeth, who was much older and unable to have children herself, would also become pregnant. Mary then goes to visit with a relative, and as they meet, Elizabeth feels her baby moving and declares that Mary is a blessed woman. Elizabeth's story is less well-known than that of Mary, since we tell Mary's story every Christmas, but it's a pretty amazing one. Her husband is a priest and has a -a once-in-a-lifetime chance to go into the temple of God and serve by lighting the incense. When he does this, he sees an angel, just like Mary, and the angel says he'll have a son and will name him John. We know him as John the Baptist. He doesn't really believe it, though, and says to the angel, How can this be? My wife and I are very old. And you can sort of hear the angel getting angry. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And you do not believe my words? The priest, the man whose whole life is spent listening for God, doesn't believe it when he hears an angel speak to him. But you know who does listen? who hears God and right away believes? Elizabeth, the much older woman who could not have a baby her whole life, simply trusts God and believes. God trusts Elizabeth, and she responds with faith. We often think that older people deserve our respect. They've lived a long time and have seen things and know things we could never know. A respect your elders is what my parents taught me. Yet how many times have you tried to Rush past someone who might be a little older and a little slower than you. Have you ever thought of someone as being an old fool? I like to remind myself of a little scripture called the Ten Commandments, one of which says to honor your mother and father. We usually tell that to little children, but that's not who that commandment was originally intended for. Originally, it was for the sandwich generation, people who had children and older parents. Some ancient societies would just abandon the older generation. If they were no longer contributing to the community or they were sick, they would simply leave them for dead. The stories from the Bible point in a very different direction, though. Over and over, a person's worth is not measured by their production or contributions or their wealth. They are worthy pure and simply because they are the children of God, no matter how old they might be. Right at the start of Luke's gospel, people that are older, who might otherwise be considered an outcast because they can't produce children or make more money, are put at the center of the story. They matter to God. And then Luke slides into a story not of an older priest who doesn't quite believe God's words to him and an older woman whose society might discard but the story of a teen girl Mary is unmarried she's still a teenager and she is pregnant i can't think of a situation that would make a person more vulnerable i imagine that in some ways mary would not feel particularly blessed despite the words of blessing from the angel she would have been shunned by her community for her pregnancy I've heard more than once people being skeptical of a virgin birth. Back then, it had been hundreds of years since anyone, any prophet or follower of God had said they heard a message from God. And here is a 14-year-old girl saying, hey, I just got a message from an angel, and by the way, I'm pregnant. I wouldn't be surprised if her parents just didn't know what to do with that. Beyond skepticism, I'm sure some thought she's lying or that she was delusional. Yet Luke describes to us a story of a young girl whose society would not respect and who needs help. She needs the people around her to support her, or she or her baby might not make it. Mortality rates were terrible back then. One in 40 women would die giving birth and one in three babies would die being born. She needs help. And Luke reminds us that a girl like Mary is exactly the person God stands for and assists. I think of all the confirmation classes I've worked with over the years, I'm up to something like 19 classes now, full of young teenagers that have a wide open view of the world. I remember one class, I asked them, if you could change anything, what would you change about the church? And the first answer was to turn pews into big fluffy chairs, making them really, really comfortable. I like that. I thought a lot of people could get behind that idea, but they didn't stop there. They kept going, and they said, we should take those extra comfy chairs and suspend them from wires from the ceiling. I thought, oh boy. I don't think people are going to go for that. But I love the creativity. I love how many ideas for ministry and caring for people have sprung from the young people of the church. I think of sports ministries and coffee shops and all kinds of things that got their start from a young person that said, Hey, I think if we did this thing, it could touch someone's life. It could reach somebody like me that really needs to know that God loves them. I know one of our own here in the Grace Sunday School program said, we need a good kickball game here at Grace, and it's going to happen soon. I know that event will draw people together, help us connect with each other, and maybe even draw in uh, some new people to the church. Young people are a gift. But sometimes we get stuck seeing a mistake that was made or a moment of immaturity, and we judge them and treat them as if they are worth less than adults. But that is not what God says. God lifts up the lowly, the marginalized, the outsider, and the outcast and says, you are mine. You belong. You are a blessing. Whether you are young and maybe feel like you don't belong or are older and feel discarded by the world, here, God says, you matter. It means we as a church advocate for the health of pregnant teens and health care that maintains the dignity of all people. That's how we stand up to a bully and declare to the whole world that all people are loved by God. God. I shared this story once before several years ago, but it really speaks to the idea of lifting up the lowly, especially children. Uh, There was a mother who had two children and was just returning from a trip celebrating Christmas with family. It was exhausting in all the usual ways, but even more so this year because this woman, Alana, was pregnant. Very pregnant. Pregnant to the point where she could have a baby at any moment. So returning from this trip was good, but it also meant that the kids were overstimulated from traveling on Christmas. Her daughter wanted space, and her son wanted to push every button of hers he could. Uh, As her son tries to leap from the coffee table to the couch, Alana is exhausted, parenting as best she can while laying down. She tells her son, don't bug your sister, stop it now, and no jumping As she gets down to her son's level to look directly into his face to tell him to stop once again, he beats her to it and he yells at her, Stop! Now she's mad. She feels like she's done every positive parenting step she can and still he's telling her to stop? But suddenly, a light bulb goes on. Her son is not doing anything different from what she is doing. He shouts stop the exact same way she shouts stop. If things are going to change, it has to start with her. So she sits her kids down and tells them she wants everyone to stop shouting, including her. No saying stop. If she shouts it, her kids can remind her they aren't doing that anymore. Now they're going to say yes as often as they can. It works out beautifully. There's an instant change in the home. Part of it is science. It's hard for a child to understand, stop, and to know what they should do instead. Now, instead of calm down, she starts to say, take a deep breath. We can work through this together. Instead of leave him alone, she says, come over here and spend time with me. Instead of this is nothing to be upset about, she shares, I can see this is hard. Let's see if we can work through it together. It's a shift away from what is not being done to what can be done. That, I think, communicates love. It's Mary celebrating what God is doing, not bemoaning all the difficulties she has to go through. Just think about a world where instead of the answer always being putting a bully or someone misbehaving in his or her place with force, our answer is to stand with the lowly. It's saying yes to them, and we can find a way, and praise God. That's what both Mary and Elizabeth did. This is not just about the world being a nicer, friendlier place by stopping bullies, although that's a pretty nice thing to do. This is about the message Luke shares with us about who Jesus is. Jesus wants us to treat each other the way God treats us. God doesn't care about the powerful elites. He cares about those of us that can see we need help. He cares about lifting us up and giving us a place to belong. And that place is here in the church where no matter who you are, we know you matter to God and to us. Amen? Amen
0: or everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.